Hello there, everybody. Good morning. Hello, everyone online. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, let me do a commercial first, if that's okay. Don't say no. Um, the last Wednesday of this month, um, I'll be on the 28th, I'll be doing a sermon called uh, Seven Important Things to Pray for Your Children and Grandchildren. So calling all moms and dads and grandparents, seven things to pray for, important things to pray for your children and grandchildren. I'll have a handout for you also to take with you on prayer. So we hope to see you there. And of course, uh, if we don't, as parents and grandparents, pray for our children, who will? Yeah, once you become a parent, you now have a prayer ministry for life. So it's important that we take that seriously. So I hope this will be a help towards you. So that's the last Wednesday of this month. Praise God. Well, our pastors uh, have started a group of Sunday messages on uh, the topic of uh, our miraculous God, as you saw there in the uh, uh, screen. And our miraculous God, as we see in Scripture, is a very creative God. And His miracles we see in Scripture are done in many ways in this earth realm. Uh, and one way our miraculous God operates, and not the only way, is through the uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, as they're mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So I'd like to concentrate today on that aspect of miracles, since this is the mo one of the most common ways the Lord God brings miracles forth uh, to the body of Christ as Holy Spirit demonstrates them. And uh, so it's for today, I guess it's very informational for us that we have a better understanding. So let's pray. Father God, we just welcome Holy Spirit to be our teacher, to make connections to the hearts of these fine folks here, Lord, not to their heads. That, Lord God, they would take something out of here, uh, that Father would be with them in the days ahead, that we would be a people, Father, used by you for miracles and healings. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to skip around a few verses here. In verse 1, it says, Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Uh, verse 4, For there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 7, But to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse 9, To uh, another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Verse 10, and 11, and to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, the distinguishing of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing them to each one individually as He wills. So we see here... Um, this group of gifts here are called the, the descension gifts. There's different groups of spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible. Uh, this is the one where on the uh, day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, they're in, the, they're in one room and the Holy Spirit descends upon them and descends with gifts. And this is that group of gifts given to the body of Christ. So a few things to remember here when we're looking at this selection of Scripture. I think when we look at this, it's important to remember is that uh, the Lord God's church is supernatural. It's not an intellectual entity. If it is, we've really missed it by a mile. It's a supernatural entity, and that calls for supernatural giftings uh, to act as a supernatural church. And these gifts are a manifestation of God's love towards people, that He loves His church so much. These are things we could not provide for ourselves. So he had to provide them for us, and therefore we use them motivated by love of, for other people. 
We see here in uh, another thing to mention in verse 1, uh, where Paul says, um, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Spiritual gifts should not be a mystery to us. Well, you never know how God's going to work. It shouldn't be a mystery to us. We, he wants to reveal to us what we need to know. Um, and that's my main purpose today, that we want to uh, talk about here what Holy Spirit is revealing to us. Now, in 1 Corinthians here, uh, Paul, he apparently received a letter from them. We don't know what it is. And it asked a bunch of questions. And when you read 1 Corinthians, he's answering their questions one after another. And here he says, now, concerning spiritual gifts. He apparently is reading a question that he's answering. And here he's giving uh, teaching from the Lord, from the Holy Spirit, on what this is all about. Uh, also, we see here, third point, is that these gifts are supernaturally bestowed upon us by God. They're not learned by men. Uh, it's a gifting that takes place. You can't learn this without the gifting from heaven coming first. And when the gifting of heaven comes, those who operate in these gifts can teach the body of Christ what they experience. They're not a product of our emotions. They're not a product of our soul. They can't be attained by any labors of, of hard work on our part or hours of a laborious prayer. Consider if you could work hard in prayer, they wouldn't be gifts. You earn them. But we can't do that. They have to be a gift from heaven. So we see here, um, this is not something we can earn. And then another point, lastly, on the points here is that these gifts operate in verse 11, as it says, as the Holy Spirit wills, not as we will. Gosh, I would like to see gifts of uh, healings and miracles operate through me every day. That's not going to happen. It tells us here we shouldn't be ignorant of them, however, but we should earnestly desire them, it tells us, towards the end of the chapter. And so Holy Spirit makes the final decision of the who, when, where. Who gets these gifts operating? Um, when do they operate? Where do they operate? The good news is for all of us that if you're a believer, all of us have the potential to at least once in our life being used in one of these gifts. We all have that potential because it's as the Spirit of God wills. It's very important to remember they're not a sign of any maturity because the Corinthian church was a very carnal group of people and yet they flowed in the gifts. Wow. So sometimes we see, uh, for example, some evangelists that have been gifted with healing and we see them so mature in the Lord because healings operate, has nothing to do with their personal life. Some of them have had disasters in personal lives. My gosh. So the gifts are not a sign of maturity. They are simply gifts that God just brings forth and he uses them as he chooses to use them. Um, so here in, the, in 1 Corinthians 12, there are three categories of these gifts. And the one that we're going to peek into today is the category called the power gifts. And they are very simply the gift of faith, the gifts of healings, and the working of miracles. Now these are the gifts for the power to act supernaturally. Other gifts, it's the power to have utterance supernaturally or the power to know supernaturally. This is the power to act supernaturally. And you'll see here uh, what's very common as we look at this, a lot of these gifts overlap and work together. They work so closely together sometimes it's difficult to say, is this miracle power working? Is this healing power working? They operate so closely. Like when someone has been raised from the dead, that's all three gifts operating simultaneously. First of all, the gift of faith to believe for such a thing. Then you have the gift of miracles that the body could come back to life and the gift of healings that it stays alive. 
I mean, these are uh, all three working together at once. So in looking at these gifts, we need to remember also, um, Pastor uh, Jim had mentioned it in, in I think, his first um, sermon on this, uh, on the miraculous, that these are uh, areas in Scripture where they become a sign and a wonder. A miracle can be a sign to God's people that the real power of God is here in the natural. And for those that don't know Christ as their Savior, it causes them to wonder, what can this be that we're seeing? I mean, obviously, when Jesus started uh, bringing forth miracles, the Pharisees have lost their intellectual argument instantaneously. Like there's an old saying, you know, uh, the man with a testimony is superior uh, to the man with a theory. Or the reverse of that, the man with a theory is at the mercy of a man with a testimony. All of a sudden, your intellectual arguments go out the window. God just showed up. So that's very important here. Now, on your handout here, you're filling the blanks if you have that. I wrote this down for you. I like this definition. I don't know where it came from. But it says a miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. A temporary suspension of the accustomed order. An interruption of the system of nature as we know it. It cannot be intellectually or scientifically explained. Uh, for years and years, I don't know if they still do it, but for years and years, the Catholic Church always had a policy that if there was a miracle, they had to investigate it. Because if they can scientifically explain it, it wasn't a miracle. But if they couldn't explain it, it was a miracle. Well, that's a good point, because they cannot be explained intellectually or scientifically. Um, if it's used with healing, for example, miracles are usually a creative restoration. Body parts grow back. Uh, who remembers Doris Kaufman? Doris was an evangelist here some years back. She's gone home to be with the Lord. She had a miracle ministry. Uh, one trip she took with the church, I think it was to Guatemala. I'm not sure if I'm right, because they, they went to Central America and South America more than once. But she was in Guatemala, and they, they, it was a medical mission, so they put her in the prayer tent. Good place to put her. And this guy came in, I don't know what happened to him, but he had no toes on one of his uh, feet. Uh, and she prayed over him, he left the prayer tent, and the next morning when he woke up, his toes had grown back. That is what you call a creative miracle. And Doris had other testimonies like that which are incredible. Uh, we don't know of the degree of uh, healings and miracles that were seen through her ministry over the years. It's really unknown. I know of several that, that are just absolutely amazing to me. Uh, that's the power of God showing up because she was an evangelist. Evangelists use those as tools. So um, today I'm speaking of these uh, power gifts of the working of miracles, and I'm also going to include here the gifts of healings as well. So miracles itself is a very general word, but if you see it in the Bible, more specifically used, it is, uh, can be protection from danger, right? The Red Sea party, Moses, right? That was a protection from danger for the nation of Israel. Um, being delivered from danger also, Daniel in the lion's den is an example of that. Um, it provides sometimes something impossible men cannot provide for themselves. If you remember the story of Elisha in the Bible, when he prayed over the, uh, uh, pot, or spoke over the pot of oil, it did not run out. That's a miracle of provision. Um, it can carry out a judgment. There's many times in the book of the Old Testament, books of the Old Testament, where the Israeli army could have been destroyed if the hand of God did not come to prevent them. So that was a judgment against the enemies of Israel. Uh, it can call 
uh, can be a confirmation and a calling of God. Elijah and Elisha, that was their calling, confirmation of who they were. And it can also confirm the word of God being preached. We see that with Jesus and also in the book of Acts. So the working of miracles here that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, on your fill-in-the-blank handout here, um, this is a gift of the demonstration of God's power in the natural realm. And there are seven diff several different names this is given, depending on what Bible translation you read. I read New American Standard, and it's called the effecting of miracles. In the King James, it's called the working of powers. In the NIV, it's called miraculous power. On your fill-in-the-blanks there. A literal translation from the original Greek might be the energy of dynamite. That's strange because the word we get from, in English, dynamite, comes from that Greek word, which in English means dynamite. So one paraphrase could be, one scholar called it, explosions of almightiness. I like that. That's a pretty good way to talk about it. These are explosions of almightiness coming onto the scene. Now, Pastor Jim had also mentioned uh, that there's a war against miracles to water them down, right? Uh, people look at a sunset, isn't that a miracle? No, it's not. They look at the works of modern medicine and call it a miracle. Sorry, it's not. Uh, the birth of a child is a natural source of order that God put in motion. However, when a soul enters into the womb and that child becomes a living being, that's a miracle for sure. So miracles here are staggering wonders and astonishments of God displaying his power, his magnificence. On your fill-in-the-blanks here, if you're taking them down, there are four divisions of miracles, which is power over the natural realm that we see. And the first one is over disease. I went too fast the first service. The second one is over death. The third one is over demons. And the fourth one is over the natural, physical realm. And we see all of these in the Bible, over disease, over death, over demons, over the natural, physical realm. Uh, when miracles come, they stimulate people's faith in God, and they astonish the Christ rejecter or the one that doesn't know Christ as a Savior. That's why they've been called the Bible's, or uh, the Gospel's calling card. And on your handout here at the bottom, uh, there's an old teaching, I don't remember where it came from, but that Jesus is the source of every miracle, He's the subject of every miracle, and He's the substance of every miracle. He's the source, the subject, and the substance. So other things to consider here, uh, as I said before, these power gifts tend to operate together. Um, they operate usually with the gift of faith operating. And what that means is the gift of faith. When the gift of faith operates, you couldn't, dis you couldn't have unbelief if you wanted to. You could not believe if you wanted to. The normal way we live uh, when we believe in faith, there's usually a war going on between our two ears where we fight off doubt and unbelief. Say, no, no, I'm believing the Word of God. Uh, yeah, that's normal. As long as we don't doubt in our hearts. Your head's okay, not in your hearts. Uh, but when the gift of faith operates, you couldn't doubt if you wanted to. It's absolutely amazing when that operates. Uh, and as I said before, these gifts usually operate instantly. Sometimes overnight, like in Doris's example, um, when the Red Sea parted, we think of 
the Ten Commandments in Cecil B. Belden Mills, and this little column of people looking at the water on both sides. That's not the way it happened. When you look at uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 21, it took all night long to part the Red Sea. A strong wind came, scholars believe, of over 90 miles an hour that the actual ground became dry. And considering there's probably over a million people crossing, they ain't going to cross in no single file. This was a crossing of probably a mile to a mile and a half wide. And of course, with walls of water on the ends. Pretty wild. That is an example of a miracle, obviously, but that one took all night long. That's interesting. God's love here is the ultimate purpose. Uh, why don't we see more people walking in miracles today, unlimited miracles today? Because if they would, they would be worshipped. And the Lord is not going to share his worship with anyone. People would take their eyes off of Jesus fast. So it's very important. No one has an unlimited miracle ministry today. Uh, so who does miracles? In the Bible, for many years, we, it's been known the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists. Those are all tools that they have. They flow in those gifts. Uh, in Exodus chapter 8, miracles are done by Father God. We know in the New Testament, miracles are done by Jesus. Uh, and we just read 1 Corinthians 12. They're done through Holy Spirit. How about this one? Luke chapter 11. They're done by angels. Wow. And they're done by us. Acts chapter 19, John chapter 14. And then, of course, the Bible also talks about false miracles, counterfeit miracles done by the evil one. The devil is an author of counterfeit miracles. You might remember when Moses was before Pharaoh, he throws his uh, staff down and it becomes a snake. And there's two magicians there. When they throw their staffs down, they become snakes. A lot of people don't realize that's a false miracle. They actually had trained serpents that could stand absolutely still as a, as a stick. And when they would throw it down, they would move. But of course, Moses' snake ate their snakes. And they realized real quick what the real miracle power was. So there are false miracles. Um, examples in the Old Testament of miracles. Uh, miracles are used in the Old Testament for the purpose usually of delivering God's people from destruction. Usually. Um, you have uh, Balaam's donkey that talks to him in Numbers chapter 22. A donkey that talks to him. Some guy, Balaam, came up to me and said, his donkey talked to him? I think I would say, put the bottle down, we'll give you a ride home. You know? No, but this guy, his donkey talked to him. Wow. The pardon of the Red Sea, we talked about that. Exodus chapter 14. The sun stands still. How about that one? In Joshua chapter 10. I don't know how true this is. Some have said this is not true. Some have said it is absolutely true. I don't know what this was. Back in the 60s or early 70s, there was a group of astrophysicists that met together, and they were trying to put together a solar clock. In other words, dating uh, the solar clock of the universe and going back in time. And in the solar clock, they found a day missing. And there was a Christian in the crowd who went, uh, Joshua chapter 10, the sun stood still. Now, we don't know. Obviously, they didn't receive him very well. <laughs> they just kind of stared at him. Uh, but that would make sense. The one day missing, sun stood still. That's about right. So don't know if that's true or not. Some have said yes, some have said no, but I think that's cool anyway. Samson. Samson had a miracle ministry in the Old Testament. Samson was, was not a nice guy. He had a lot of problems. Just no sign of maturity. It's a, the miracles of God working. Daniel in the lion's den, I mentioned that. The Hebrew children in the fire in the book of Daniel, all saved from destruction. In the New Testament here, we have miracles identified Jesus as Messiah. 
he turns the water into wine in John 2. And it tells us it was pretty good wine too. I had a lady right over there who really liked that in the first service. Yeah, okay. I didn't answer her. I don't judge. I don't want to say anything. Okay, you like that one, huh? All right. Uh, Then there's the feeding of the 5,000 in uh, John 6. Um, Probably closer to 10,000 or more when you consider women and children. Jesus and Peter walking on the water. Yep, that sounds like miracles to me. And of course, how about the apostles in the book of Acts? We talked about miracles can uh, bring forth judgment. How about when uh, they lie to the Holy Spirit, Ananias and Sapphira, and they drop dead in front of the apostles? That is a miracle. That is a miracle of judgment falling. Wow. So let's look at this a little further here at the gifts of healings. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 here, verse 9, we saw that. Uh, This is a power gift. And in the Greek, this is interesting, in the Greek, this is a plural gift. It's the only gift that's mentioned that's a plural gift. So in English, we would better translate it, gifts of healings. That would be a better translation from the original Greek. So that obviously implies there's more than one of them. There's more than one of these gifts of the Holy Spirit that bring healing. Scripture never tells us how many of them they are. Uh, There's been a lot of thoughts about it. Uh, because uh, it's been a belief for many years because Jesus had 39 stripes on his back. There are 39 gifts of healings, and by his stripes we're healed. I can accept that. Don't know that for sure. Only God knows the real answer. Um, But some do walk in some of these gifts of healings. I remember when Dr. Kenneth Hagin was alive, um, I went to uh, one of his meetings here in Jersey, oddly enough. It was in 1982. And I was at his meeting, and I remember him writing that he had an anointing from God that was a gift of the Spirit over boils. And I had all these boils under my, on, on, under my lip here, these, uh, uh, and they were really hurting. And I said, well, this guy's anointed for boils. I'm going to go up there. So I went up there for healing, and as soon as he touched me, my upper, lower lip started tingling. And as I'm walking back to my seat, they were gone. So... When the guy said he had an anointing over boils, he was telling the truth. Praise God. Um, so here, now remember here, in Jesus' ministry, he has the gifts of the Spirit operating, all of them. And we know from Jesus' ministry in John's gospel, he had the, uh, the Spirit without measure, John says. So therefore, it's logical to assume he operated in all these gifts of healings. Um, We would also conclude he's probably the only one who has ever operated in all the gifts of healings in their entirety. Why not us as well? Because people would worship you, that's why. Uh, Instead of one individual today, the entire body of Christ across this globe definitely operates in all the gifts of healings globally on a corporate level, just not one person individually. So with these gifts also, we want to remember that these are supernatural healings of diseases. There's no natural methods used here. There's no intervention of modern medical science. If they were a product of our educational learning and human understanding, they wouldn't be gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, There's no part of the body's natural healing process happening. Uh, Oral Roberts, many years ago, had this great sermon that's been probably duplicated thousands of times. It's called uh, Seven Ways God Heals. And one of the ways he said was, our body naturally heals itself. A lot of doctors will tell you, I didn't help, the body healed itself. I just helped them. 
And that's true. Your body has the ability to heal itself. That was put in there by God. So that's not what this is. Uh, if this was a natural process, it wouldn't be of Holy Spirit. There would be no divine intervention. And, and, and of course, in the course of the body's human functionings. Uh, so uh, these are things that men can't make happen. When we look at Scripture uh, regarding these gifts, they can operate in many ways. A few examples. They can operate through the laying on of hands. Acts chapter 28. Uh, we've seen that here many times. I remember one lady I prayed for, she had a lot of problems hearing in one of her ear. So I went to, to, to touch her, and all of a sudden she was instantaneously healed. And I said, I didn't even get a chance to pray. <laughs> Don't be me. That was a gift of the Holy Spirit operating. It had nothing to do with me. I was just a dumb donkey that was standing there. One of our, who remembers Phil Gento? One of our elders here? Yeah. Phil went home to be with the Lord many years ago. He was an evangelist. And Phil here one time, we were in the schools before we had the church building, uh, an intermediate uh, uh, west there. Um, Phil was praying over this lady. She said, I need help. My eye, my left eye. I can't see out of my left eye. Oh, I'll pray for you. So Phil had to pray for her. She went, oh, I can see. I can see. And Phil goes, oh, you had something in your eye? No, I was blind in that eye. Oh, you were. <laughs> Phil walked away. Oh. Phil, stop that. You had to know, Phil. You didn't do anything. That was the Spirit of God. He still smiled. I said, no, Phil, don't go there, Phil. You didn't do anything. That was the Spirit of God. Praise God. Um, James chapter 5, it talks about through the anointing of oil. Let them call upon the elders of church and they'll anoint them with oil. Uh, spiritual gifts show up when that happens, folks. We had a lady here. She sat right over there one day. She was married, but her husband was a drug addict. He had passed around bad needles. He got HIV, later developed into AIDS. He died. Of course, they're married, so through the sex act, she picked up HIV. And it had progressed. She did nothing wrong. She was a victim, and it had progressed through her body to the point of AIDS. They told her, you won't be alive much longer. So she came here, asked for the elders to anoint her with oil. And um, when we did, she barely was able to leave the building, yet the next day she felt better. The next day she felt better, the next day she felt better, and over a small period of time, age had gone. True story. And when she went to the doctor to be tested for HIV, they couldn't find it. Now, why didn't this end up in the medical journal? Because they said, well, it's probably so too insignificant for our test to pick it up right now. It has to be still there. Really? That was over 30 years ago. She doesn't take medicine, and she's alive today. Give me a break. Glory to God. Uh, Mark chapter 3, speaking a word of healing. Pointing to people, telling them, be healed in the name of Jesus. I do that, and you never know when the gift of the Spirit is going to show up. Because it's as the Spirit wills. They can operate suddenly. Many times, we have a testimonies over the years here at our own church. Usually during worship time, people would be in worship music, and all of a sudden, people would be instantaneously healed. They weren't looking for healing. It just happened and showed up. I remember one lady was sitting right over there in the third row here, and it must be a great area, that third row. I don't know. She was sitting right there in the third row, and in the middle of worship, her back was instantaneously healed. All of a sudden, I see her jumping up and down. Oh, she probably likes to worship. No, she was just instantaneously healed of a bad back that doctors gave her very little hope for, and that never returned the problem. Never. And we've had several reports here of people instantaneously healed during the worship time. Holy Spirit shows up. When He shows up, He brings gifts. 
He doesn't come empty-handed. He brings gifts. Amen. So all these gifts um, are the hallmark of, of the gifts operating, and they very often, as I mentioned, uh, uh, work suddenly, some over a period of time. Uh, the normal way we, of course, receive healing is spiritually by faith. We take the promises of God's Word, put our faith in them, and through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. But that is always T-I-M-E is involved. With these gifts, they're instantaneous. And ours, the normal way we live, we, we, we stand believing. When the gifts of healing operate and miracles, you can be in disbelief and still get healed. Isn't that wild? I remember a true story. I think it was Walter Healy that told it. I, I never had heard of it before. Catherine Coleman, remembers Catherine Coleman's name. Great healing evangelist of the 60s and 70s. Oh, you, well, you people remember good. Uh, she was here in the Philadelphia area, early 70s. I don't know when it, where, I think it was the Spectrum, I think. The Spectrum was around then, I believe. And I don't know the name of the highway right next to it. Is that Route 95? I'm directionally challenged. Okay, okay. Anyway, there's a true story of her having a healing meeting at the time. People were driving by the Spectrum, getting healed in their cars just as they drove by. They weren't believing for healing. They probably weren't believers. And the Spirit of God just, boing, healed them. It's like, wow. That, that's an absolute true story. Amazing. Amazing. So it's very important that we realize these gifts are, again, are ministered out of love. These are sovereign acts of God by His will, not my will. Another example here is you have to remember the name of Jesus is anointed. In Acts chapter 10, it tells us that. The name of Jesus was given to the disciples in uh, Matthew 10. And of course, great signs and wonders happened. So it's always important that when we pray over people or pray for people, we use the name of Jesus. And once you do, you release the power of God and let the Holy Spirit do what He wants. It, I believe it releases the gifts of, the, of healing and the gifts of the Holy Spirit when we use His name. That's why it's so very important to pray in the name of Jesus because the name is anointed. And with that anointed name comes the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, although these gifts do operate sovereignly by Holy Spirit, we're told in 1 Corinthians 12 that we should desire them earnestly. Isn't that something? We desire them earnestly. So as we're coming here to a close today, um, I want to just give you some earnest desiring advice, if I could. On the back of your uh, sheet there, there, you can write them down. It's very important that we stay humble. This is not for the proud and the self-seeking. I can't tell you how many people that tell you, oh, because I prayed for you, you got healed. Who gets the glory there, Jesus or you, because you prayed? Oh, I hate that. You know, this does not come to the proud and the self-seeking. Oh, so, so stay humble. Two, stay pure. It doesn't come to the defiled. Those people who are used by the gifts of the Spirit tend to be a very pure soul. And if you knew Doris Kaufman, you would say that would nod your head. Yep. Wasn't an unpure bone that lady's body. Uh, the second, third thing here is pursue holiness. This is not for the carnal married to the world age. Those married to the world age very rarely see the gifts of the Spirit operating. Although God is sovereign, there have been very anointed healing evangelists that had a lot of personal problems in their life, and yet God still used them. Go figure that. But basically, we want to pursue holiness. The, those married to this world age don't see the blessings of God. And the last point here is you want to remain hungry and wait upon the Lord as those who earnestly desire. 
What does it mean to be hungry for the things of God? I'm told this is a true story. This one guy was by a lake with somebody else, and I think he must have been an evangelist or something. I don't know. And the guy next to him said, well, when it tells us we have to earnestly desire these gifts, what does that mean? How earnest do I have to be? The guy looked at him and said, you want to know? He grabbed his head and he put it under water. Bubbles are coming up. He pulls his head out of water. Oh, oh, you're crazy. You're a crazy man. And the guy's getting breath. Let me ask you a question. How bad do you want that breath of air? Everything. That's how much you have to desire the gifts of the Spirit. How bad do you want it? How hungry are you? How much do you really want to be used of the Spirit of God? To a lot of these people, it meant everything. Everything. So, the Lord is watching. For you and for me, the Lord is watching. Who can he trust? Who can he send? Here I am, Lord, send me. Let's stand up and I want to pray a prayer of dedication over you. Before I do that, let's not forget the miracle of the new birth, finding Christ as your Savior. If you're here today and you don't know what that means, if you've never had an opportunity to experience the miracle of the new birth, folks at the altar here are praying after the service. They would like to talk to you. They'll pray with you. And you can discover the miracle that really matters to be translated out of darkness into light, to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Father God, I pray for this congregation today, Lord God, and, I, and I, we, we pray prayer, Lord, of dedication in the name of Jesus over them, Father. As they dedicate themselves, Father God, in their hearts to you today, in their own way, Father, touch them, Lord God, in these days ahead. That, Father God, we would be people who don't see the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating, but walk in them. We are dedicated to you, Lord God. Make us, Father God, have a hunger in us, Father, for the things of you. No one's too young, no one's too old to be used of you, Lord God. Father, that there would be a consistency, Lord God, that this would be a people, Lord, that could cause a commotion as never seen before on planet Earth, as people who walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, we dedicate ourselves to you. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Here we are, Lord. Use us. And we thank you for this, Father, today in Jesus' name. Amen.